You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression, and more, helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hello there, gorgeous, and welcome to episode 60 here at The Hungry Soul with myself, Rachel Foy. How are you doing today? So, as I'm sat here, the sun is streaming through the window. We officially have sunshine in the UK, which I know the Brits, we talk about weather all the time, don't we? But actually, it's quite a big deal because most of the time it's raining. And I don't know about you, but whenever the sun shines, there's just something about it that kind of feeds my soul and it lights me up and it just makes me feel oh, so much better than when it's all grey and miserable and pouring down outside. So on that note, I'm on a bit of a high. I'm doing loads of podcasts today and I'm feeling really excited to share some of these conversations because there are some awesome people that I want to introduce to you and today's guest is one of them. So a little while ago, I had a chat with a fabulous lady and her name is Ebony Allard. Now, Ebony is the go-to coach for Misfits to Mavens. She's the positively disruptive creator of the Misfit to Maven way, the value filter system, and she's the author of Misfit to Maven, from ah to ah, and host of a podcast herself, which is called Adulting with Ebony. Now, Ebony helps misfits, so those too creative, too innovative, too geeky, or just too full of heart to clock in and clock out of a job and or life, to build profitable, sustainable, and fun businesses and their lives that feel as good on the inside as they perhaps look on the outside. Now, Ebony dedicates her days to inspiring and enabling people who've forgotten who they really are to feel less ah and more ah. Okay, so it's her mission to help you, if that's something that you resonate with, to actually live a fully rounded, three-dimensional, successful, and self-governed life where you can thrive. So I hopped on a call with Ebony a little while ago, and we were discussing so many fabulous things, particularly this concept of misfit to maven and what that means and what can we do if that's something that we recognize within ourselves and I know you're going to absolutely love this conversation you're going to adore Ebony so I'm going to hand it over now here she is it's Ebony Allard here on The Hungry Soul and here she is the lovely Ebony good morning Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you because we're going to have a conversation around, I suspect, a few delightful things. But before we do, um, do you want to give yourself a quick introduction as to who you are and what are you all about? Yeah. <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> After all of these years, I'd have this nailed. Um, I am Ebony Allard. I'm a coach, I'm an author, I'm a podcast host. And really, under it all, I'm a, I'm a misfit turned maven. And for me, that uh, I define misfits as people who are too creative, too innovative, too geeky, or just too full of heart to clock in and clock out of a job and or life. And I help people like that to create businesses and lives that really feel as good on the inside as they perhaps look on the outside. And that's it. Oh, there's you saying, I should have had this nailed by now. That was absolutely spot on. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's kind of delve in with a really obvious question. So kind of misfit to maven. And you've just kind of said there what your definition is of a misfit. Well, yeah. Where did this desire come from for you to start helping people who identify as being misfits? Oh, I've always felt like I don't fit. 
And, you know, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that now. And yeah. I think we talk about it a lot more, particularly in, in the circles that you and I move in. Um, but growing up, I just didn't feel like I fit and I, or I belonged. And actually I realized that quite a lot of it's to do with belonging, that actually a lot of us are searching for a place where we belong. And that's what fitting often means. And whether that's because it's not a value match or whether it's because we see the world differently or whether there's something different about us or whatever it is that leads us to that place, it can be a really lonely space to be in. And I experienced a lot of that growing up, not necessarily even because of circumstance. You know, I had a great childhood, had a very different childhood from most people. Um, But I had, you know, great experiences, but inside I just felt different. I felt like there's something wrong or broken or different about me and that means that I've you know never had a proper job I've done some great things but I have uh, not done the turning up to a cubicle and sitting in it and and I used all of the things that made me different to create separation and so actually that turned into a place where I was more and more separate from the world around me and the people that I wanted whilst also desperately trying to conform and comply in order to fit in in order to not stand out in order to blend in my biggest desire growing up was never to be um, skinny rich and beautiful so that I stood out I wanted to be skinny enough and pretty enough to blend in so that no one would notice me oh that's that's yeah that's that I got chills as you said that carry on sorry (laughs) (laughs) so um I have a whole journey and I wrote a book about it and 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 we don't have enough time to go into it today completely but I went on my own journey with that and essentially the turning point for me was hitting my kind of second rock bottom and making a decision that I was going to discover who I really was and learn to like it or change it until I did no matter what I found And that's what I did. And it means that I now love myself and also I'm evolving and changing and growing. And so there are still times when maybe I don't, maybe I discover a facet of my personality or an underlying belief or a thing that I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. What do I want to do? And I now know that I have the power to change it. So that's really where my desire comes from because when we uh, feel like we belong, we are much, much more powerful. And mm. power for me is really about the ability to affect change. And all the people that I work with, all the misfits, are actually have superpowers. I really believe misfits have superpowers because they have the ability to see problems before anybody else and the empathy to want to change them and the creativity to be able to change and solve them. And so I have to empower as many misfits as I can so that we can heal this world that is falling apart right now and needs us. Absolutely. I love how you explain that sort of definition of a misfit as being someone who doesn't feel like he or she fits in but actually on the surface of that or actually going deeper into that it's actually their their authentic self I mean I talk so much about when we are in that place of our authentic self magic happens because so many of us we don't do it we try and blend in fit and change all that kind of stuff so in terms of like the misfit essence I guess have you got any idea and you might not have an answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Why do some of us feel like a misfit? Like, where does that come from? How do we end up feeling like we don't belong? 
I think it's because so a lot of it is to do with some kind of trauma that we've experienced as children. And I really want to make it clear that trauma happens to us regardless of how large or small it is, right? So this isn't about blaming anyone or circumstances or situation. So it can be traumatic if you were three and you woke up in the middle of the night and there were and you cried and no one heard you for a moment and you decided to make meaning out of that in that moment that no one was coming and that no one loved you and or you know what could have happened is there could have been some loud tv on downstairs and no one heard you for a minute or maybe you were driving your parents to distraction and they just just to sleep train you for a little bit or, or whatever we don't know the circumstances and actually the circumstances really don't matter because and, and I'm not saying that bad things don't happen, really, really bad things to people, but it's a real spectrum. And regardless of how bad the circumstances were, once we reach a certain point in our life, adulthood, it is our responsibility to take 100% responsibility for our current reality and make choices around what we want to do with it. Yeah. And so in answer to your question, like where does that feeling come from? It can come from all sorts of different people um, or situations or society and, and it doesn't even necessarily matter where it came from it's really to do with the meaning that we've given it and, and the stories that we're telling ourselves around what that feeling means yeah I think that that point that you just mentioned then about trauma I think there is often this miss interpretation of a traumatic event has to be like the most serious and as you said some people sadly do experience the extremities but trauma is however we interpret or perceive an event isn't it and, um, and I think that that trauma for any of us it can start to infiltrate and make us believe that we are too much too loud to this to that which is what you're saying is kind of that misfit that misfit personality and what happens is, so a lot of people experience that and don't make it mean anything. Mm. And then some of us are really good storytellers, right? And we make it mean something. And, and it, you know, we have the power of choosing our identity. Actually, our identity is, is a series of stories that we've told about ourselves or that we've been told. Mm. And, you know, my, my favorite one of that is I for years thought I was an extrovert because everybody has always told me I'm an extrovert and when I really understood the definition that an extrovert is someone who gains um, energy from being around people and that an introvert is someone who gains energy or recharges by not being around people or being on their own I was like I am not an extrovert like I love people but they do not give me energy and it was like oh but I've been told I am this thing my whole life what happens if I change that label and so a lot of the journey from Misfit to Maven is actually becoming aware and recognizing the labels the stories the beliefs the things that we're putting on to ourselves and that we've one of my my clients hear me say this all the time I'm like assumption or fact and I check in with them all the time. Is, is this an assumption or is it a fact? And checking around that stuff is how we shift and change it. Mm. I think the, um, the label thing as well, like I'm, and I would say this to my clients as well, it's like labels don't mean anything unless you choose to believe the label. And often these labels that we collect, because we do collect them, don't we? Like we end up collecting them throughout our experiences. We get given them by people. We create our own labels. So... I'm intrigued from your point of view now, 
because you've obviously gone through your own journey and you're still going through it as most of us will do forever but what do you do now if you start to notice that you've got another label and it's come from somewhere how do you start to erase it or delete it or let it go like what do you actually do I think it depends. So most of the time we notice these things when they're no longer serving us, right? When it's, when you don't want it anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of an example because it always, it works better in an example. I guess the first thing is being open, open to um, hear things that you might find uncomfortable. Yeah. And if, if we're always walking around, I've noticed recently about myself, I'm very defensive and I must actually also be in a place of greater wholeness to be willing to acknowledge where I'm defensive. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So someone um, told me the other day that I'm uh, very uh, dry and that I use, um, but that's never going to happen, or like deflect away good things um, in certain situations. And I had absolutely no idea. And he was um, sharing a situation where I'd, where, I, where I'd said, it would be lovely if this would happen. And he said, yeah, it would be great. And I went, but it won't though, or I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. And I, and he reflected that back to me and said, why couldn't you just say that's really exciting? Why did you need to say, I'll believe it when I see it or it's never going to happen. Yeah. And the label that I was like, oh, I'm someone who's cynical and skeptical because it's safer for me to do that. And I'm now willing, ready and able to look at that label of skeptic because it keeps me safe yeah. and start to make a dissolve it and make different choices. But the only way I'm willing to do that or I'm ready to do that is if I'm uh, open to being aware, can hear the language around it and go, oh, is that really me? Is that something that I want to keep or is it something that I want to change? And now I'm in a place where I'm, I don't want to be sceptical. I can see where that level of scepticism is keeping, is, is limiting me and is holding me back from things. I can see how in the past it kept me safe. I can see how... Um, there are situations in my life where being too hopeful was being unrealistic or hope, you know, or hopefully it wasn't going to happen and it was safer for me to push it away and, and believe it couldn't happen. Mm. And now I'm ready for something different. Now I'm ready to say, isn't that exciting? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we touch on safety? Because you've just mentioned it there and I know that you know this. I know this, but maybe some of our audience don't know this, that often these labels and in your, in your kind of context that like you're saying about the misfit, those labels are actually trying to protect us, aren't they? Like there's a safety mechanism behind it, which we don't often notice. So could you kind of explain that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I often talk about camouflage. So um, one of the things, the memes or the things you'll see me share quite a lot is if you're wearing camouflage to keep you safe, the people who you actually want to find you can't find you and you're going to carry on staying separate. So there's a level where we need to remove the masks that we're wearing and remove our camouflage so that the community that we want um, to find us can actually see who we are and connect with yeah. us. However, that's really scary because it involves becoming um, vulnerable, uh, open to attack, open to, you know, all sorts of things that may have happened to in the past. So it's safer for us to cover up and hide. 
And that's kind of the easiest way of being able to see that, that there'll be levels of safety um, or what I call staying comfortable um, that we are willing, that we really don't even necessarily acknowledge that we're doing all the time, right? We keep ourselves safe. And so when you hear coaches and you hear, hear people say, um, you know, the best things are on the other side of fear, what they're actually talking about is stepping out of your comfort zone or stepping out of that place where you're um, it's safe to a place where it feels a little less safe. And we're not talking about um, walking down an alleyway that's very, very dark in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. the, one of the biggest skills that I teach is discernment. You know, we have to recognize the difference between judgment and discernment. Yeah. Your discernment is going to keep you safe. And, and at the same time, the new things, the exciting things, the joyful things, the soulful things are often outside of your comfort zone, outside of this place of safety that you've created for yourself. Does that talk to it at all? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm just kind of like drawing from sort of things that are whizzing in my head right now. And I know that a lot of the context of the work that I do, it revolves around like self-trust and women not fully allowing themselves to trust themselves. So therefore they have the label of, well, they can't trust themselves, but that kind of people pleasing as well, as in I'm going to rely on the external validation of people to tell me if it's okay for me to do this because I don't know whether it's okay for me to do this and that sort of fear aspect it can be scary to start trying to trust ourselves again or speaking our truth a little bit more or saying no I don't want to do that so completely that sort of yeah resonates definitely with the the thing that you've just mentioned there about yeah on the other side of fear is where we can start to find our our freedom absolutely is and and, the, and what you were just saying there around um not wanting to risk it is yeah. is i see that a lot and what i allow people to do and create space for and, and i find it really useful for myself which is why i do it is to look at the worst case scenario mm. like what is it that actually would happen if you used your voice if you didn't if you allowed them you know if you risked saying something risky or you know you got unsafe or uncomfortable what what would actually happen what are the what are the things that you are perceiving as dangerous yeah. you know, is it is it um a five-year-old's uh, or a three-year-old or you know a 12 year old's perception of danger and actually when you say it out loud sometimes it loses its potency sometimes you're like oh they might just not talk to me or they might, you know, or, you know, something, you know, or they, I might not get what I want or, you know, looking at it in, and I'm getting really clear on actually what the, da the danger is so that we can um, choose whether it actually as an adult in this place with the um, resources that you have, with the support that you have, with all of the tools that you have, is it still dangerous actually? Yeah, absolutely. And you just mentioned something there that, I just want to kind of expand upon you said then about is it is it the thought of a five-year-old because I'm guessing as you've just mentioned there that quite often when we have these they're almost irrational fears aren't they I've got there's something in my head at the moment of someone that I've been working with for a little while and she's been so concerned about this lack of self-trust to the extent of if she if she buys clothes she has to ask her partner like does this look nice do these shoes look good or should I get the other color like she's got no concept of what is her stuff like her truth and that what you just mentioned there about this reaction which almost isn't that of an adult it's that of a child going like do I look okay like you give me your approval so therefore this is that label thing again isn't it to do with the childhood 
perceptions that we start to believe to be true. Yeah. Um, I have a really interesting thing that recently shifted in my head around this, and I don't know whether this may or may not be helpful for, for her or for other people listening. There's a difference between approval and acceptance. Mm. Approval is conditional love. I will love you if you fit these criteria. Yeah. Acceptance is unconditional love. I will love you regardless of whether the shoes are great oh. or well the right one or any of those things. And so many of us have been set up to seek conditional love. And we are still sometimes doing it for ourselves. Mm. I will love myself when I'm this size. I will love myself when I earn this much. I'll love myself when I have this thing. And instead we need to find a way to shift to a place of I love myself now and I accept myself now as I am, even if I can't make decisions, even if I don't know which color I like better. Yeah. And actually just by giving yourself permission to not have it all figured out, something energetically shifts and we can let go and start to make decisions and start to be okay with it being wrong sometimes yeah i think that's a really important point to to kind of mention when we are seeking that approval like you said it's conditional we're also setting ourselves up in that cycle of it's never going to materialize because there will always be those things about until this or until that or until i've done this until i've achieved that so we're constantly chasing that happy place, which is kind of not the right way around. <laughs> and also we shift the goalposts on ourselves, right? Yeah. So how many times have you said, I'll be happy when whatever, and then bypassed that, not been happy when that happened because you've already shift, shifted to the next, I'll be happy when. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I know that a lot of people in the audience right now listening, because um, we talk quite a lot about food and body image, like weight is a big one for women, well, for men as well, but this is like a female audience that kind of, well, when I'm 10 pound lighter, I'll be happy. Like life will be so much better and everything will fall into place. And then maybe that person gets to that number and actually mm -hmm. nothing has shifted. Like she still feels the same. So she thinks it's a little bit more that she needs to lose or she needs to do a little bit more at the gym. And as you've just said, it's that, is it conditional? Is it approval? Or is it acceptance that really is what she's needing? Yeah, and it's so hard I've been in that. You know, I, oh, I think the biggest way that I noticed that in myself is looking back at old photos mm. and being a woman who was far, far lighter than I am now, far smaller, taking up less space than I do now. Um, and I look at that woman and I think, wow, you were beautiful. And I was so sad and so miserable and so um, not present in my body. And the journey that I've been on with my relationship to, to my body and, and the skin that I'm in has been a a long twisted round you know kind of thing and it, and it still isn't over now but the thing that shifted my relationship for me with my body was changing the goal completely mm. changing it from I will be happy when you look this way to I would like to feel at home in my skin rather than constantly trying to get out of it because that's what it was i just wanted i didn't like it here so i was trying to get out and whether whatever way that was yeah. 
and changing the gold. I just want to feel like, because I, I spent so many times with so many different people saying, but I don't feel like this is my body. Like you look in the mirror and I don't, I shouldn't look like this. I should look different. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that many people can relate to that. And, and I now look in the mirror and see me. And that honestly hasn't happened overnight, you know, 20 years or something. And really, really working at it. But the main thing that happened was that I chose to want something different. And mm. chose to make a commitment to myself, to, to find a way. You know, one day I kind of just realised... I'm going to be in this body for a very long time, whether I want to or not. And I can spend the next 25 years arguing with myself and being really unhappy about the one that I've got. Or I can find a way and use the same amount of energy to be okay with being in this body. Absolutely. And it, starts, and it changes from month to month and midway through my cycle and all the yeah, rest. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think, Ebony, for you, because kind of, you know, body image is a, is a massive topic like here on the show or kind of the undercurrent of, of what that means. But I'm just intrigued for you. Like you're, you're talking there about your body as in I've found a way of kind of accepting that this is this is my body. This is where I live. This is my home. Do you think, though, that's also been because you've been very conscious of working on your misfit as in accepting all of you? So not just like your physical appearance, but actually accepting the very core of who you are. So trying to let go of the judgment and trying to let go of trying to fit in. And do you think that's also been a part of it for you? Absolutely. And I tell you what, it's been horrible at times, mm. you know, and, and the bits that have made it easier and more fun, because I'm very much driven by things being fun, um, have been working with someone, you know, working with someone like yourself or, you know, finding another woman who can hold space and has wisdom and tools and angles and ways for me to explore how, and, and, and who, you know, there's been a couple of different people who I've worked with, but who've really just been okay with it being horrible. And also the biggest thing for me was having someone believe me. Um, for me, I had so many people saying, but you're beautiful. <laughs> off i don't yeah. care what you think yeah you don't I'm feel it experiencing yeah experiencing this thing and it makes me angry and sad and frustrated and you know all of these i'm feeling so much and you're telling me what you see isn't helpful right now because we have to feel it for ourselves yeah so some of the things that i've done so the other thing i realized is like okay well if i've spent 20 years um restricting and changing and looking at all the different things I can do in the way that I feed my body and the things that I put into it physically and I've kind of exhausted that right I've done everything yeah am I willing to accept that there might be other ways to work with this on a emotional level on an inter you know on an intellectual level on a spiritual level so I chose to look at the other angles and the other ways into healing this hurt that I was feeling mm. because I'd exhausted everything on a physical level. I just didn't feel like anything was working. So yes, it, it, it for me, it has been looking at the emotional body and the spiritual body and the intellectual body. So what am I thinking? What yeah. am I feeling? Where is this coming from? And, and looking at what I want instead in those areas and almost going, you know what, I'm going to park the body piece or the physical piece over here for a while. And I'm going to look at everything else and see what happens. Yes. 
which is now where you are, which is amazing. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Yeah. And it's thrown up so many things I had no idea were lurking under there. Yeah. And I think, I think this is so kind of beautifully matched with your misfit to maven and kind of like hungry soul podcast the work that i do because i'm sure that you appreciate now like your body stuff had probably always been connected to the fact you hadn't accepted yourself as a misfit so you were trying to fix all those parts by probably trying to lose weight and do all the conventional stuff and actually that was never going to be the solution it was about that acceptance and giving yourself permission to step into that maven that you clearly now have become <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and, and so much of that's around um, the stories. We, we, we go full circle, right, and back yes. to labels. Um, because I had an idea of what it, what it was to be a perfect woman and the kind of woman I didn't want to be as well, right? So I didn't want to be a woman who took up space. I didn't want to be a woman who was um, sensual and full-bodied and loud. You know, I wanted to be a quiet, thin beautiful woman and I'm just not um, so, and you know I can be and, and you know it's, it's a whole other thing we've, we've got range as women and, and actually how incredible is that that there's a huge range and spectrum of things that we can be and embody and that it isn't really about being this two-dimensional um, static image of a woman yeah. So absolutely ranges difference that's the whole point and it's so it's kind of ironic how we all try and become like these um carbon copies of what we perceive is what like a woman is supposed to be so we've almost come to the end i'm consciously looking at the clock thinking oh no i want to keep talking to you because there's so much more i want to ask however before we do kind of wrap up um where can we find you out there on the the world wide web um, so the best place, I guess, to find out about what I do and all the rest of it is ebonyallard.com. Um, I am on Instagram and I spend a ridiculous amount of time there. So you can come from <laughs> ebonyallard on Instagram and check out my stories and, and have conversations with me. And if you want to hear another podcast, then come and find me at Adulting with Ebony. Absolutely. Just uh, yeah, go and check out Ebony's podcast because it's fabulous. And as um, you've just mentioned, anyone that's curious about the Misfit to Maven, you've mentioned about your book, you've got your podcast, um, do go and check her out because she's on the same page as us guys. Okay, we're talking the same language. That's always helpful. <laughs> so thank you very much. Have a gorgeous day. And yeah, thank you for being on The Hungry Soul. See you later. Bye. Bye. So there you go, gorgeous. Another episode brought to you by The Hungry Soul. Now, if that conversation has got you a little bit curious about your own journey right now and how perhaps you can start helping yourself to become more soul-fed, but maybe you've got no idea where to start or what that might even mean for you, don't panic. We've got some fabulous gifts for you that are all completely free. All you need to do is head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash free dash resources. And over there, there's workshops, handouts, meditations, and loads of other goodies. So go and grab as many of them as you want to. Can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.